been one demand, and that's holding up that Lombardi trophy, period. That's all I care about, is holding that trophy up and holding that trophy up here. The prime thing is you have to win. You have to win. Otherwise, you can't be a success in professional football. You're listening to The State of the Nation with Jimmy Durkin, Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Nguyen on the Athletic Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to an off-season edition of State of the Nation here on the Athletic Podcast Network. I am Jimmy Durkin, joined, as always, by Vic Tafer, Tashawn Reed, and Ted Wynn. I said off-season edition, but in the NFL, there really is no off-season. Uh, last week, we were all in Indianapolis for uh, at least uh, various portions of the week, and um, got to talk with uh, Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler, and, and see some of the scouts and prospects and all that. And then this week, uh, the big news to rock the AFC West is you know, for a while, for really a, a year now, going back to last year's draft, there had been the smoke about what would happen with Aaron Rodgers. We know draft day last year, it came out that he you know, possibly wanted out of Green Bay and the three teams he was interested in going to were Denver, the Raiders and the 49ers. Um, that obviously never happened. And it still was kind of lingering around, especially in Denver as a possibility. Well, Tuesday morning rolls around and that gets shut down kind of as expected. I think we all knew you know, for a while now that he was going to go back to Green Bay. About two, two and a half hours later, news breaks, boom, Russell Wilson traded from the Seahawks to the Broncos. The AFC West now has Patrick Mahomes, Justin Herbert, Russell Wilson, and Derek Carr as the four starting quarterbacks. And I know a lot of people want to kind of laugh at the idea of trying to throw Derek Carr in that mix, but I mean, he deserves to be mentioned among those names. A, he's one of the four starting quarterbacks in the division. And B, if you're complaining about Derek Carr as the worst quarterback in your division, uh, that's a pretty damn good division. Yeah, I think, you know, it can be debated where he is, but he's at least a top 15. No, I'm talking about like uh, in terms of like league wide, like he's you know at least a top 15 quarterback. And if that's, <laughs> you know, that's obviously, you know, AFC West has the best quarterback play in the league. You know, it can be debated whether it's the best division in the league, but it's going to be it was already, you know, really competitive last year. And it's going to go up another notch um, this year. And, you know, it kind of, you know, stemming from what McDaniels and Ziggler said at the combine, you know, they want to stay competitive. It's not a rebuild. They're trying to go for it now. You know, it just makes this off every offseason is pivotal, but this one becomes even more so with the division getting significantly stronger. Yeah, if you're a Raider fan, I think it means you got to like pretty much give up. You got to look ahead, like tech, <laughs> tech next three, tech next three years, kind of focus on 2026. You figure Russell's got a three year window, Mahomes and Herbert, you know, be the last of his cheap days. He'll have a new contract by then, so it'll be a lot more harder to of a competitive team around him. So I think 2026 will be really targeting the Raiders kind of getting back in the mix. All right, let's shut it down. Podcast is over. We're done. I thought you said it was too early. Like, I mean, we're sitting here. Vic's got like the Hawaiian shirt on, the palm tree behind him. He is in vacay mode. He's going to go hit the beach for like the next four years. I got got jokes, man. I'm just joking, Raider fans. You know that. I mean, uh, obviously, you're still uh, competitive. You got a good roster. Playoff team last year. So I know a lot of gloom and doom out there, but I was just joking. I'm just joking. Yeah, I mean, if you're a Raider fan, your hope is that Russell Wilson's athleticism continues to fall off and that severely impacts his game. But, I mean, last year you saw his athleticism did, you know, it's not where it used to be. He's not running as much as he he did. You just don't see that burst from him anymore. But he's still very effective. I, I think the finger really affected his accuracy last year, which was why his numbers dipped. But in the beginning of the season when he was healthy and towards the end when he – uh, he looks a little more healthy. He still puts up big numbers. So he's still a, a very good quarterback. You know, I question whether he's still elite. But with that Denver roster, um, I talked about last year, I thought it was one of the best, you know, rosters non-quarterback-wise 
um, in, in the league. And I, I think with him there, guys like Sutton and Tim Patrick are going to do really well. I, th- I saw Jerry Judy um, w- was very happy that Russell Wilson is going to come over, but I don't think that uh, I, I don't think he's going to throw to Judy much. He, he just doesn't throw to the middle of the field that much short. But I, I think those outside guys are really going to thrive with him there. But I, yeah, I just don't know if Wilson's going to be that elite quarterback that we've seen. But with you know Denver being the way it is, you know th- he he might just be exactly what they need to be a, a playoff team. In all seriousness, I think if Russell Wilson was still an elite quarterback, then he's still on the, Se- on the Seahawks. They wouldn't make this trade if he's still the guy he was a couple of years ago. So I think people say, oh, Pete Carroll wants to do a big rebuild. But, I mean, he's 70 years old. He's, I think he's still going to bounce back at a quarterback, probably in a trade. So I don't think the Seahawks are really in that kind of mode quite yet. I just need to realize that Russell Wilson's not what he was. They got a lot back for him. I thought it was a pretty good haul they got back for him. Some good players, but some good picks. So I thought it was a good trade for uh, for both teams. Yeah, I'm not so convinced that, that Russell is cooked just yet. I mean, I think, you know, a lot of it, you know, sounds like with the Seahawks, you know, was a lot of personal relationship strife that they had with one another and, you know, his frustration over, you know, the scheme that they were running on offense. And last year, I think his injury, you know, really sidetracked that entire season for them. But um, I, I still think he's, you know, a top 10-ish quarterback. Um, so, and that's enough to, I mean, because before last season, I mean, what was what was Matthew Stafford viewed as, uh, you know, going into that Ram situation, maybe like a top 10-ish quarterback. He was never viewed as like an elite guy. And then he gets in a great situation and then we see what happens. Not saying that that's gonna, what the Broncos is going to do, but not to say that he had weapons in, with Seattle. But I think, you know, with Pete Carroll, you know, always wanted to run the ball and, there, and, the, and the injury and things got thrown off. So I, I still think, you know, he his ceiling could be pretty high um, in, in Denver. And just overall with this division, I mean, every week, Every time that they the two teams from this division meet up, it's going to be must-watch football at this point. I don't think he's cooked. I just don't know if he's that elite guy that we've, we're used to seeing. And, you know, when he gets to the Broncos, we don't know what kind of play caller Nathaniel Hackett really is. You know, he hasn't called plays in a long time. And last time he did was with uh, Jacksonville for Mitchell Trubisky. And, and I mean, not, not uh, sorry, Blake Bortles. Same guy. Like, <laughs> no, yeah. Blake Bortles. <laughs> <laughs> I think that Denver defense is going to take a step back. You know, I don't think they were that talented. I think Vic Fangio made up a lot for that defense. I don't know that Russell Wilson automatically makes the, the Broncos a, an elite team, but you know, they certainly aren't going to be you know a team that you could just run over like they they have in the past couple of years. Yeah, I mean, the Raiders really have had the Broncos number over the last few years. I mean, we know that they've struggled with the Chiefs and and whatnot. That you know, the Chargers they they play pretty evenly, but the the Broncos are the teams that that's the one team they've generally been able to to handle them pretty well over the last few years. And I mean, what Russell does is that I mean, the Broncos for years now, ever since Peyton Manning retired, they went into pretty much every game they played disadvantaged at the quarterback position. Now they're not going to be. They're going to have a quarterback who's going to give them chances to win, rather than just have a quarterback who whose role, like Teddy Bridgewater's role last year, was to not mess things up. I mean, it was just don't turn the ball over. You know, let our running game, you know, let the, some passes work here. Let's, let's let the defense win. Now, I mean, they do have a quarterback who will be able to make, you know, might not be the same guy he was, but he's going to be able to make plays. Yeah, I was going to say, I don't think he's cooked. I just think he's, like, lightly sautéed. I don't think he's the, <laughs> the guy he was back then. We still, obviously, Russell Wilson, we still can make plays and win games for you in crunch time. So, for the Broncos, it's a no-brainer because they have a pretty good roster. Uh, they weren't happy with the guys they had, so you get a guy who can still – it's something to prove, obviously, so that's a big factor. So, 
Again, I liked it for both teams. I thought it was a good deal for, for, for both teams. Save that Vic one-liner for, for the t-shirt. Lightly sauté. Oh, okay. Let Russ right. lightly sauté. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's talk a little bit about what we learned at the Combine. Um, you know, not not a ton from talking with Josh McDaniels, Dave Ziegler. Uh, McDaniels did, in between his podium session and then his side session with the local reporters, did go up on NFL Network. We were all just, like, kind of standing right out there outside of their, their little makeshift studio, but you can't hear what's being said on uh, on the set. Um, and that was where he he made the, the guarantee upon being asked, um, is, I think is the, is the notable designation there, that he was asked, can you guarantee Derek Carr is your week one starter? He said yes, said no doubt. Dave Ziegler walked it back a little bit. He's like, yeah, that's the plan. But, I mean, Vic, you, you've said this, written this, I think. Until there is an extension, there is going to be speculation. And we're seeing as the, the quarterback market is starting to settle in, Rodgers going back, Russell Wilson to Denver, Carson Wentz uh, to, to Washington. Teams that miss out on getting the quarterback are going to inquire, really, until there is a, an extension signed. Yeah, and there are a lot of teams that need quarterbacks. I mean, I think if you look at the market, I mean, Derek Carr's probably the best guy out there. He's probably better than Jimmy G. I know he definitely is. He's better than Trubisky. I mean, he's better than Kirk Cousins. I don't know if he's available, but I'm just saying, if you're a team and you're and Washington made a call already to the Raiders, the other teams are going to weigh in, and I'm sure the Colts are kicking with tires. So at this point, the Raiders are saying, "Yeah, we want Derek Carr's our guy. We're going to give him a, a deal at some point." But uh, you never know. Like, I mean. You never know what's going to happen. I think once you get these offers, you start mulling you know, your options. Like McDaniel said, the plan right now, and, and Ziegler said the plan right now is cards your guy. But, you know, the plan has changed, so we'll have to wait and see. Look, you, you know teams are desperate when Mitchell Trubisky is one of the hottest names in football right now. <laughs> he had a great year last year. He was incredible. Like, <laughs> wait, you know, play last year. Didn't turn the ball over, right? You know? I think the starting, you know, starting point for any deal with, with Carr would have to be two first-round picks to, like, even get the Raiders, like, mildly interested it's just the the big you know thing that, that would kind of hold me back from it is just this quarterback class is not like very attractive like you know if you trade Derek Carr and one of those picks is Kenny Pickett and I get a future first from a team that now has Derek Carr as their starting quarterback which I assume whatever team does that probably has a pretty solid roster around him like how good is that pick going to be it's probably going to be in like the 20s or something like that like I don't know if that's enough for me to take such a significant step back at the most important position in the division that probably has the best quarterback group in the league. So, you know, if, if the Raiders are actually still trying to win, which they say they are, like, I don't think like trading car makes a whole lot of sense. And McDaniels would have to have a guy in mind that he can bring in. And I mean, obviously a lot of people are going to point to Garoppolo because he did work with him in new England. So it would have to be one of those deals where it's like, okay, I can get this for Derek Carr two first, maybe something else. And then I can flip, a third and a fourth or something for Garoppolo, get him for a lot cheaper, you know, give him a couple years for a lot cheaper and then start looking for my next quarterback. You know, Vic, as, you, as you've kind of said, kind of that not tethering himself to Derek Carr as he starts his tenure here and, and he can kind of you know go with a stopgap guy that he's familiar with and then start looking for that quarterback in the future. It's a risky move though. Yeah, I mean, I'm obviously jaded. So we look at coaches that come in historically. They want the long timeline. They want the. They don't want to rush like I have to win in two or three years. Like usually, you have like four or five years to build things out and kind of like have your plan. So I think with Derek Carr, the problem. If I can say this, but if you give him say a two-year two extension, eighty million dollars, whatever it's going to cost, you've definitely accelerated your, your timeline for Ziegler and McDaniel. So we have to win now. We have to be better than last year. Whereas you take a step back and kind of. Look at the big picture. Maybe you have a longer road. So that's my my biggest issue with it. Plus, you know, 
it's a lot of money. I don't know um, if who knows what the Raiders want to do long term, but I just think there's other options there. I know Josh has asked a question. He had to answer the way he did, and like you said, Ziggler walked it back. So, but the, the plan right now is Derek Carr is the guy. But we said plans change, and we'll see what the market dictates as far as what they might do. I think the only other option, if you were to go away from Derek Carr, is maybe you know you go into uh, next season without an established quarterback starter and then you try to get a high draft pick for 2023 when a quarterback class is supposed to be supposed to be pretty good and you know you try to get one of those guys uh, you know and, and then you have extra first round pick to try to pick another position as well but uh, I mean you know I think that's probably only avenue to another quarterback if you are gonna you know move away from Carr. I have a great roster but I don't think it's bad enough to where like if they had like an average quarterback they're probably still too good to get like a elite quarterback range pick, you know? One thing too, with, if you're talking like the short-term extension, like they, it sounds like they would want to do that becomes a lot harder doing to spread out a salary cap hit. If you're giving them two years, 80 million. Um, I mean, you can tack on those void years if you want, you know, pay a big upfront signing bonus to try to spread things out. But, and maybe for Mark, uh, for Mark Davis, as Things have opened up in Vegas. They've got the new stadium. The money might be coming in more. It might be easier for him to do those kind of deals with the big upfront signing bonus where he can spread things out. But a two-year deal makes it a lot harder to be able to to you know lower the cap hit, uh, especially in the first couple of years. And we all know cap hit, the cap in 2023 is supposed to explode with the new media contracts and all that. But still, uh, I mean, they have money to spend this offseason, but they don't have with the extensions that they need to do, Vic, you've reported that they've started those talks with Max Crosby and that they're going well. Extend Crosby if Waller insists on a new contract. They extend Renfro, which you would think they would. That money gets it's tied up pretty quickly. I mean, obviously, with those extensions, you can spread out cap hits and all that. But um, you start handing out all that money, it, it, kind of all that free agency money to spend goes away quickly. Yeah, plus you got to address the defense. The defense is going to lose a lot of guys. you got to, like, if not free agency or maybe – Make a trade for like maybe the Giants cornerback uh, Bradbury if you can get him, but he's gonna cost. He has a three-year deal, but you gotta make some moves get that defense talent backed up to where it has to be. Like they've lost a lot of guys this offseason, and we don't really know what Patrick Graham is gonna do as far as guys he wants to bring back or guys he's eyeing a free agency. But you would think former Patriots and former Giants would be attractive. When it comes to like extensions into future cap space, you know the thing that the thing that is on their side. I mean, they only have about. It'll change a little bit with the restructures that we saw today with, with Kenyon Drake and uh, Colton Miller, but they only have about $70, $80 million on the books next season. And so they already have like well over $100 million in cap space, and then the cap is probably going to go up higher. And so they have a lot of room in future years to spread out that extension money. But also I think, you know, maybe something that we see them do is, you know, maybe they prioritize, you know, making additions through free agency first and then Later on in the offseason, you know, after June 1st, uh, some guys like Corey Littleton, Nick Kwiatkowski, Carl Massa, they can free up more immediate space by waiving them then. Um, they wouldn't be able to use it, obviously, now with free agency, but they could use that money that they opened up to maybe hand out some of those extensions later on this summer instead of doing it right now. And the other thing, too, is like the, um, you know, they have pretty big dead money hits because of Damon Arnett and Henry Ruggs. I think when those guys get cut, it kind of accelerates onto that next year's cap, I believe. And so... That will all come off the books, I believe, after this season. That'll free up some space. Um, so 2023, they should be pretty cap healthy. So that does allow them to, you know, if they can do the upfront signing bonuses and really 
kind of you know pay these guys in signing bonuses with low year one base salaries they can really push that money out to where 2023 is is a lot healthier for their books yeah i think with free agency they have to try to address the defense so they're not reaching in the draft i mean they have a big need at cornerback huge need at, at safety they need a guy that could play some too deep so if, if they could fill those two needs in, in free agency um, with guys that they're they're comfortable with and have experience with, uh, that'll be huge coming into the draft and, you know, free them up to maybe get a receiver in the first round. Yeah, I guess that's the other thing is, you know, seeing that May 2 deadline on fifth-year uh, options, you know, how do they view guys? Like, I mean, Farrell we know is not getting his, but like Josh Jacobs, um, you know, he might have a chance with his is like $8 million, I think. And then a little bit lighter than what we yeah. thought. We thought going in, it was going to be about 10. Yeah. Eight becomes a little more palatable. Yeah, that's that's affordable. You know, if he stays healthy, this, I mean, if you think he's going to stay healthy this year. Um, Abram, you know, his $7 million, it seems like a little rich, but probably not getting that. But that may give us a way, a, a view of how they, or indicate us how they view him because he's going to be on the roster this year. So I don't know if... Do they bring in another starting safety? Like, are you, are you benching Abram now? You know, obviously Moore is going to start. So, I, you know, how they how they view him, you know, that's going to be a, a hot button topic for uh, Patrick Graham this Friday. I don't think he's going to give us any clear cut answers on that. He's telling us if they're picking up the options or not. We're going to get all the specifics. The, the, the head guys are, are telling us nothing, but the assistants, they're just going to boom, just they're going to let it fly. We're going to spike their coffee, you know, get, get them get them talking. Yeah. So cornerbacks, the, the big focus, obviously, with, with Casey Hayward hitting free agency, but also, you know, do they think they, that Abram can play, you know, more of the too high stuff that, that Patrick Graham likes to use, or, or do they think they need to find a new safety this offseason? Answer is no. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, let's talk free agent targets. Um, you know, we won't spoil everything that's in the story, but Tashawn on Saturday will be posting. He's got uh, the 20 best free agent fits for the Raiders, and it's a story that we'll kind of keep updated throughout the week as, as guys come off the blocks. Uh, but you look at any tweet, anything uh, for Raider fans are reacting, and the number one guy I think everybody wants is J.C. Jackson, cornerback from the Patriots. You know, he's a guy that obviously the Patriots ties. He's got a lot of interceptions. You know, he, he gets his hands on the ball, and the Raiders haven't had a, a playmaking cornerback like that in a while. And so it makes sense, you know, that in the fans' minds, he'd be the number one target. And, you know, considering the, the Raiders' new ties to the Patriots, uh, it would make sense if the Raiders do prioritize him. We'll see what happens. He would be a pretty nice option to bring in to help that defense. Was he number one on Deshaun's list? He is number one. He's going to cost so much money, though. How much? I mean, you get all this money, he's going to throw it back away? Come on, guys. going to spread it all out. It's going to be like a $4 million cap hit in year one. I mean, the thing is, like, you know, when you have all these great quarterbacks in the division, when you could have a guy that could just shut down one side of the field, yeah, I, mean, I guess it makes things easier when you could just shut down one side of the field and not have to you know, shade of safety that way. And um, it just gives you so many options on defense. So, you know, I, I think it makes a lot of sense, it, Yeah, but it is going to cost a lot. I mean, I, I don't know. I mean, how much would you think it would cost for uh, JC Jackson? I don't think he's going to get like Jalen Ramsey, $20 million a year money, but if you probably like at least 17, 18, like pretty close to it. That's palpable. Yeah. But it's like, I mean, you don't who <laughs> wins by being cheap. You know I mean? You got to spend some bread, man. You got all this cap space for a reason. You know, they ain't, Ain't, you know, restructuring Colton Miller and Kenyon Drake's contracts just to, to sit on the bread. You know, you got to use it. So, I mean. They've done that before where they've restructured contracts they have, and been waiting around for the next have. move. And then we're like, uh, you did nothing with yeah, it. Yeah, but, but if you're spending money on a, a true number one corner, one of the best corners in the league in his mid-20s, who has familiarity with some guys on your staff and, like Ted said, can, has the ability to lock down one side of the field, I think that's that's a good investment. I mean, I think it's better than 
going and spending, even though I have, you know, some receivers pretty high on the list, I think that's better than going and, and throwing a bag at a receiver, especially considering, you know, how the receiver draft class, you know, they all really showed out and got a lot of attention at the combine. I think you, you know, you can get for much cheaper, you can go get a starting wide out in the draft, even, you know, where you're at at, at 22nd overall, and you're better off spending that big money on a, on a premium position like cornerback. Did he have more interceptions than entire Raiders defense last year? Pretty sure, yeah. Yeah, but so, so did you, though. So that's what I'm saying. I mean, they have last year. They didn't have very many. So, I mean, I get it. He's a great player. I mean, I probably would probably – I'd lean towards Bradbury if you can get him for like a fourth-round pick. And he's, he signed a three-year deal last year. He's still not cheap, but be a little cheaper. I think he's a pretty good player. But I don't know. I mean, it's, to me, it's a lot of money to throw at this point where you're at. I mean – are you really a contender? Are you really is he going to give you that that jump where you're like now on the top teams in the league? I mean, seventeen million dollars for a cornerback. When you have so many other needs, to me, it's too much. But I get it. He's a, he's a great player, so I don't know. I, I would throw out a little small. I wouldn't give the big bag out. I give a little smaller bag. Yeah, but I think we'll we'll, we'll see like how they how they view the you know, get a, a clear picture of how they actually view the roster, like how close they think they are or aren't. By you know, obviously, Carr is the biggest decision. In that, like, if they give him an extension, obviously they think they're they're pretty close. Um, but we probably won't know that until after free agency. But I mean, if they're gonna go for it, you gotta make some of these these splash moves. Like, them. I mean, you're going against the Chiefs and the Chargers have a, a ton of cap space this off season, so they're probably gonna be significantly better. The Broncos already got significantly better, so I don't know if like adding a bunch of role players in free agency is gonna really push the Raiders into that conversation at the top of the division. I remember we're in 2026, so we gotta we gotta focus on that. So. <laughs> yeah, I guess by that logic, they should say fuck it and sit on that cap space. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm such a smartass. I apologize to Raider fans for being smartass. That's not good. JC Jackson, eight interceptions. Looks like the Raiders, I think, as a team, had six. So, mm. yeah. All right, pay him the money. <laughs> Sam, him give him the bag. In terms of other you know positions, I mean, receiver, cornerback, offensive line. I, I think. If they do not get a starting offensive lineman out of this free agency, whether it's a guard, whether it's a tackle, and obviously which position they, they go after, I think will, even though they wouldn't tell us anything about how they view Alex Leatherwood, which position they pursue in free agency will tell us. But they have to get at least one starting offensive lineman. I mean, just because unless they really have some kind of unknown confidence in Alex Leatherwood, they don't have a starting right tackle. You know, I I don't think you can feel good about really any of their guards. I mean, the, the only two starting positions you you figure you have on the offensive line are Colton Miller and, and Andre James. Outside of that, I mean, I feel like you have to get at least one starting caliber offensive lineman in free agency, probably one high in the draft, and then kind of hope Alex Leatherwood can fit in somewhere. And even Andre James. Andre James is a Tom Cable kind of project. I mean, we have no idea what this new regime thinks of him. He's kind of not your typical center. I mean... So I would say, yeah, you're right. At this point, he probably is. But even him, I think it's a little small question mark. Uh, Leatherwood thing, to me, uh, it was, I thought it was, they didn't say much, but that, to me, they said a lot. And they said, uh, plays a lot of game, played a lot of games. Yeah, his, his strength is he played a lot of games last year. That's not good. Vic, uh, you wrote a lot of words last season. I did. So, I mean, I think they need, I agree with you that, but I think they probably need two. Two starting linemen in their free agency or in the draft. Two guys you can plug in at guard and tackle. Then you can figure out where you want to pop in Leatherwood uh, at the other spot. But I think definitely they need to rebuild that whole line pretty badly. Trent Brown coming back? They almost killed Trent Brown. Why would he come back here? <laughs> it's old regime, staff. New regime, man. New regime. It's old staff. No, but I think you know Leatherwood, uh, obviously, starting out the season last year, he was pretty terrible at right tackle. I thought 
late in the season into the playoffs. Like he started to play pretty he did a solid job at right guard. He had the false starts, but like he was pretty good in the run game um, at times and was a little bit better in pass protection than he was on the outside. So I think between the two spots, it would make more sense to keep him at guard. But the thing is, it's always, I mean, it's almost every year in free agency, there's not a ton of tackles out there just because teams typically don't let quality starting tackles leave the building. But one name that did kind of jump out, he's on the list, is Morgan Moses from the Jets. You know, he's been a pretty consistent right tackle in the league for a while. He's not like a pro bowl or great right tackle, but he's a reliable veteran and he never gets hurt. He's missed like one game in his whole career or something like that. So I think if you get a veteran like that on the outside, have those those ends set with, with him and Miller, you can kind of figure things out at guard, you know, whether you play Leatherwood on the right side or the left side, or if you bring back Denzel Good to start at a spot, or I don't know how to view John Simpson, but you can go draft a guard without spending, you know, a first round pick on him and get a pretty solid guard as well. So I think if, you know, among the positions to, to kind of prioritize in free agency, it would make more sense to get something that you know what you're getting uh, outside of tackle. There are a lot of good guards on the market, like Alex Kappa. I think Corbett from the, the Rams is a good guard, too. So if you do decide that Leatherwood, you're going to try Leatherwood at tackle again, you know, I think your best bet as a backup plan is Denzel Good looked good at right tackle when when he did have to play spot duty, so... You know, he, he might be a guy that you could say, all right, if um, Leatherwood doesn't pan out, we could just, you know, pop Denzel Good at, at right tackle and, and p- move him back into guard. And if you have another starting guard at the other side, you know, like Kappa or Corbett, then you could plug him in as well. And that line doesn't look, you know, too bad. But obviously, you're going to have to add some depth somehow, too. I got to call uh, Richie, see if he's retired, if he's going to try to come back. Maybe plug in Richie again. Is this calf still? What's up with his calf? Is calf still okay? Yeah, I have no idea. Richie needs to go sit his, sit his ass down, man. It's time. What was your famous quote about ca- the calf, Vic? I don't know, dude. I forgot. <laughs> Sing some words or something like that? Ah. <laughs> That calf has seen some wars. Another freezing question. So, Deshaun, where is uh, Kyle Van Noy on your list? Uh, didn't make it. Didn't make it. What? Oh, mm-hmm. my God. Put him on there. Put him on the nah. list. 20, number 21. Nah. Why not? Patriot, man. I mean, he's pretty cheap. Yeah, but it's like I don't I don't think they – the linebacker, I think they mostly need like depth. I mean, I guess it depends how they view uh, Perriman and, and Diablo, but – Especially if they're playing more three four, um, they're playing more nickel anyway. So it's only going to be two linebackers on the field. I feel like you know if they want another linebacker, that's fine. But I feel like that's a position you can get to later on in free agency. Those first couple, him in May. Yeah, those first couple of days, focus on the premium positions: receiver, cornerback, the trenches, both sides of the line. I think you know the, what they do with the defensive line is also interesting, just because really all of their defensive tackles from last year are free agents. Jonathan Haken, Hankin, Solomon Thomas, Quentin Jefferson, Darius Fylon, I know he, he, tore, he hurt his knee late in the season, so I don't know if he's going to be ready to play. But, you know, how do they view those guys? Do they want to bring any of them back? Do they feel like they need a, a new clean slate? Uh, guys that can play that 3-4 that elements and, and still play in the 4-3 as well. So um, I would even put defensive line over linebacker, really. You know, figuring out the trenches and then uh, re- receiver and cornerback, those are my, my priorities early on. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how Graham views a lot of these guys. Because you mentioned, like, these coordinators all have different tastes, different guys they're intrigued by, different kind of guy. Like, Diablo's a great example. Diablo's a guy who uh, is not going to be for everybody. He'll be a, a, an acquired taste for some guys who like his ability. Some guys will question what he can do in, in standard defense. So I have no idea what Graham thinks about Diablo. But linebackers could be a position where they have to kind of redo the whole thing uh, next year besides Paramount. So uh, I guess we'll have to wait and see.
All right, guys, we have a ton of questions in here, so uh, let's get to them. Uh, let's get to some of them, at least. Uh, from Dennis R., we'll start. Any feel for what positions they target through free agency versus the draft? Obviously, that's a lot we've been talking about right here. Um, and any feel for how many of Gus Bradley's one-year additions that we re-sign? And that's kind of the other problem when we talk about kind of rebuilding this defense is last year, they were able to rebuild that defense, kind of build up that defense largely through, like, minimum-type contracts with Gus Bradley retreads. Um it's not going to be not going to be easy to just grab these guys on, on minimum contracts anymore. I mean, obviously Denzel Perryman, they traded for him, but he was on a very very cheap deal for a guy who was a Pro Bowler. You know, Casey Hayward going to get a lot more money this time around. Um, really, all those all those Gus Bradley guys that they brought in um, boosted their value at least somewhat. Yeah, I mean, I don't know who's going to be back. I guess Jefferson's the one guy I thought played well last year. I could see him fitting in again this year as a free agent. Deshaun mentioned Philon, but um, you could see, okay, I think, what, eight guys last year that came former Bradley players, but uh, I wonder if they get even one or two back from that eight line this year. So, I thought, you know, it's definitely a, it's a huge void they got to fill. Yeah, I mean, Casey Hayward wouldn't be a bad reconciliation prize if they're not able to get J.C. Jackson. I think he also fits into this defense. And he's, you know, he's a good corner. You know, he's not elite, but... He at least gives you some stability there. Indy has seventy million in cap space, and they have Gus Bradley. He's going to Indy. And they got Ron Miles, so I think I mean they got, they're both his guys. So that to me makes a lot of sense. All right, uh, question here from Fergus S. and uh, and Vic kind of already uh, addressed this, uh, but uh, we'll ask it anyway. Given the recent Russell Wilson trade to the Broncos, do you sense or believe there will be a shift in how McDaniel's and Ziggler approach this offseason? Now, there's probably an argument to make that this team would now have a tough time competing. But there's also an argument saying this is a playoff team which can get better. Do they shift and look to 2026 like Vic? Or uh, I mean, the competitors in them can't, right? They have to still think that they took over. I mean, they, like, like you've you've made the good point, Vic, that they're not going to want to put too much pressure on this. It's like, oh, we have to make the playoffs in year one because they want that long game. But yeah, I think that was true before the Russell Wilson trade. I think like they're saying all the right things. You know, like they're saying it's not a rebuild. We're going to try to build off last year. And Mark Davis is the same thing, but. At some point between now and start of the season, that talk will definitely be reduced. It'll be more like, we want to win now, but also look at the long-term picture. we got to build this the right way. I mean, the phrasing will change because you can't go into this thing saying this playoffs are bust. You're one of a new regime. You just can't do it, and they're not going to do it. So I think they'll slowly change the way they're taught. The narrative will change the next few months. Now it's going to happen with or without the Russell Wilson trade. They have to, you can't say we're going to build off last year's playoff team because it's not – it's not practical. It's not fair to them as far as their timeline and what they want to build here with Mark Davis. Even before the Russell Wilson trade, like coming to this division, I mean, Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert are like aliens, like in their early prime, like mid twenties. Like they're not going anywhere for like ten years. I don't know what people like. The AFC West is not going to be an easy division at any point in like the foreseeable future, as long as those two guys are around. And I, you know, the Russell Wilson in there as well. So I mean, if they were scared of competing, I don't think they would have would have took this job. So it's, it's going to be difficult. I mean, you know, like the Chiefs and Chargers, as long as they have those guys, are probably going to be in the playoff mix, I would expect, unless things just completely fall apart. So um, they're always going to kind of have a uphill battle um, in this division. I don't know. There's a lot of Raider fans saying that Derek Carr is better than Justin Herbert. So Who? Yeah. Where have you seen that? Uh, I'm seeing that around the, around the interwebs. So, you wow. know. It's a lot of, a lot of good drugs <laughs> out there, man. Yes. Stay off off Twitter, man. Twitter's Twitter's trouble. All right. Question from Jeff has. He has a uh, Patrick Patrick Graham question. Uh, He says, I keep hearing he's flexible on fronts, but if that's the case, why are we even discussing the possibility of playing a 3-4 this year? Ngakwe and Crosby are both high-end 4-3 edge rushers. 
I can't stand the thought of seeing Crosby occasionally drop into coverage. So please tell me that's not in our future. I don't know, man. With Crosby's wingspan, I could see him dropping into coverage, picking off a pass, getting a, a pick six here and there. No, the first play of the, the Pro Bowl, he almost got him an interception coming off the edge there. He dropped it. So maybe that's a indicator of how he do in the rule. But get him on the jugs yeah, machine, man. I think part of jugs. part of what they want to do in like being versatile is not uh it's more so like on a week to week basis they want to be able to adjust depending on the matchup. Like if this isn't a good matchup four four three, let's go to three four and vice versa vice versa. And even within a game, like being able to flip back and forth. You don't want to be in a situation where you're just kind of like average at everything and not great at anything. But yeah, I think with, you know, Ngakwe in particular, like he was a three, four guy um, in college, I believe at Maryland. And you know, he's played some of that throughout his career. Max has pretty much always been a four, three. So, you know, if, if unique is that, that kind of roamer guy, I think it, it, it's a little bit more translatable than people may think. And then also with them playing so much nickel and dime, like kind of what they're doing with the fronts, those numbers kind of get mixed up a little bit more. So you know, being static is not something that Patrick Graham is going to do. He's not Gus Bradley. So there's going to be changes. It's just it's something that we're going to talk about him this week is how do you go about, you know, kind of implementing those changes and adding variety to your defense without having guys get to the point where you're confused or don't understand what's going on. I think that 3-4, three, 4-3 four, four, three stuff affects the inside guys a lot more than it does outside guys. Outside guys are going to rush. I mean, if they do play 3-4, you're going to see those guys drop maybe one or two times a game. If you do it more than that, you're just an asshole. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> I mean, but we see we see three four outside linebackers get tons of sacks. T.J. Watt gets tons of sacks. Von Miller has done it his whole career. It's not it's not that big of a deal. They drop once or twice a game, you know, to throw throw guys off. But it affects the inside guys because the inside guys, if you're going to play a four three, they're going to be single gap type of players. But if you're in a three four, you might see bigger bodies. So it's going to be a lot different than last year where you had, you know, smaller interior defensive linemen like Solomon Thomas, you know, shoot gaps. So instead they're going to play a, a little bit more uh, controlled and try to control the gap in half and that sort of deal. So you're not a stupid, you're not careless, you're an asshole. Yeah. I like that. I like that. I like it. I like it. I got that from my coach right. ass. That's, that's good. I like that. Put on a t-shirt. All right. Uh, Ramon R. asks, what wide receiver type would be more helpful for McDaniels' offense? A speed threat to take the top off or a consistent possession red zone target like we had with Crabtree? Was hoping Edwards could fill the latter role, but seems like you have all mentioned his trouble with lack of separation and drops. I thought he was supposed to be T.O. slash Randy Moss. Yeah, man. yeah, yeah, let all this shit go. I think like between Darren Waller and Hunter Renfro, like I think they're pretty solid when it comes to like I'm not saying that the Waller's a possession guy. He's he's more dynamic than that. But like in terms of that mold, like they they have that pretty much covered. So I think um, you know receivers, especially free agents like like DJ Chark, the guys that are um, you know he has four three speed that can take the top off. You know, he, I mean, he's still he's like six three six four, so he's not like a small guy. But I think this, that speed element in particular is what they're missing. Um, obviously, last season with what happened with Rugs, but also Deshaun Jackson didn't have the the impact that that they expected. And so I think, you know, they're receiving core outside of that. I mean, they have, you know, that, that was what part of what made their offense so good to start last season was they had these complementary pieces and they all fit together well. And I think that's now the piece that they're missing. And, I mean, we saw some of those guys that, that were running at the combine in the rookie class. I mean, you know, this, this draft has a lot of speedsters. I don't know if they're going to be there at 22. You know, I don't, I don't know if a situation where they want to trade up to go get one of those guys. But whether it's through free agency or the draft, I think that's the type of receiver they need to target. Maybe you need both. Maybe you need to add both a speed guy and a possession guy. Maybe you get one in free agency, one in the draft, because we have no idea what their thoughts are on Edwards. Edwards is a guy, you give him, people give him a hard time, and obviously he had some costly drops last year, but 
I mean, he's, he's gotten better. I mean, there's still, still, you know, upside to him. I mean, I think we, I don't want to bury the guy. I think um, maybe he got too excited about the training camp catches, but uh, he had injuries throughout college. That's been a problem for him staying healthy. But uh, there's definitely growth there. There's room for more growth. He has all the tools you want. So I'm not totally going to, like, you know, say he's not going to be a, a guy they can count on at some point. But I can see where you, they want two guys, two guys to add to that, to that uh, receiving core. Yeah, they could like like a guy like maybe uh, a guy that's more of a speed special like like MVS from the Packers. Um, like he'd probably be more affordable if you just need that burner, and then in the draft you can get you know best receiver available with that first first round pick, regardless of if they're a possession guy or a speed guy. All right, before we get out of here, I mean we were all in Indy for portions of last week. Um, who grabbed your eye the most? Is there is there a guy you know Vic? You wrote about Chris Olave, and he out went out and ran the forty, and, and his first unofficial time. The immediate reaction was, okay, no way he's there at 22. And it ended up, I mean, 4.39 is still really fast, still really good. It was the not, what, eighth fastest time among receivers, uh, which just, just tells you about the, the speed in this class. So, I mean, with, with his with his ability, with his his, his polish, um, you know, all the experience he has playing at a big-time college, and, you know, speed that's very good, but, you know, I think it helps the Raiders that he wasn't end up, didn't end up being like you know the, the one of the top two or three fastest guys. You know, is he the guy that you're looking at the most out, out of the combine that you liked, or you know, who did you guys like that you saw last week in Indy? I still think he goes. I mean, you're right that the official time was a little slower, but I still think it was way fast enough where he's going to be gone. Probably a top 15 picks is my guess. I think he's top two or three receiver. And he mentioned he has the polish. He's a good route runner before all the speed elements. So I think he has the pedigree you want and the skill set. So He'd be a nice, a real nice fit for them, but I, I think he's going to be gone by 22. So um, there's, there's a decent receiving class. I think you can get a guy probably second round that can play for you. There's a lot of guys who kind of jumped out for me, but um, I mean, I'll talk about a quarterback. I'm actually going to draft Millick Willis, but uh, just he has all the raw ability you want and the arm strength you want. I could see some team, five more team mentioned all these teams need quarterbacks. I would draft him. I would sign Marcus Mariota for a couple of years, give Willis time to develop. I think that'd be a great way to go about it. But I'm not saying that's a Raiders plan. I'm just saying that'd be one way for it to dump car, Malik Willis, yeah. Marcus Mariota. There you go. That, I'm talking about let, let's put that on a t shirt. That that's Vic's t shirt. Maybe the Steelers, the Steelers go that route, or maybe uh, I don't know who else, maybe the Panthers. But uh to me that'd be a good way to go. I think Malik Willis definitely has all the things you want down the road and a guy could be a big time quarterback. Hey, and he was great at the podium. I think a lot of people are looking at the Seahawks at number nine as this a spot for Willis now. But, I mean, as far as guys that grabbed my attention, obviously Jordan Davis just, you know, was amazing at 341 pounds. You know, when you um, look at his RAS score, which uh, accounts for weight and all the testing put together, I think he had the second-best combine since uh, Calvin Johnson. Um, so, I mean, but the thing is, if he doesn't get drafted in the top 10, which I think there's a chance that he doesn't just because, you know, he doesn't offer much of a, a pass rush, but... You know, if he somehow falls out of the top 10 and maybe he's around that 15 range, you know, would the Raiders consider moving up for him? Because you get a guy like him, it you know, you take care of all your interior worries pretty much. And, you know, it allows you to play a little bit more too high. You don't have to put a guy in a box when you have a guy that dominating inside. And another guy, Sauce, I was curious about how what Sauce Gardner was going to run. That's a bigger corner. And he ran 4-4, which is a great time for him. And there's a lot of parity when it comes to the cornerbacks like a lot of people have this guy number one or this guy number two 
So, I mean, I think there's a chance Gardner, you know, falls in that below 15 just based on how guys have, have him ranked. But he would be a great corner uh, to draft, in my opinion. Yeah, I think outside of the guys I already mentioned, uh, I think it was Northern Iowa tackle Trevor Penning. Um, you know, he ran a 4-9, which is a great time for an offensive lineman. He also was like top 10 vertical jump and broad jump. And I saw a video of him windmill dunking as an offensive lineman. So it seems like he has like some really special athletic traits obviously he's, he's a you know fcs guys he's coming from a small school and after the brandon parker experiment raiders fans might not be too excited about the idea of doing that again but you know if they do think leatherwood is best at guard and you know whatever they do in free agency if they get a veteran but if they want to take a, a chance on a on a tackle with with a lot of high upside he would have to you know you have to take him in the first round you know at 22 if he's still on the board there but i think he has the tools and the size that you like to see at that position and maybe he can develop into a a productive starter. I'm glad Ted mentioned Sauce Gardner. I'm a big Sauce Gardner guy. I think he's a guy you can definitely take with that first pick, and he could be your number one corner uh, pretty quickly. He's long. He's they mentioned the speed. He's got uh, some good ball skills, so that'd be the way I would go rather than pay J.C. Jackson ten billion dollars. So I think you said he's he's six three and ran a four four three. That boy is not. He is not going to be there at, at 22. He didn't run a 4-3. He ran a 4-4. Um, Either way, it's 4 yeah. 1 uh, A former mm-hmm. scout uh, compared to Nnamdi Asamoah. So, you know, that's a nice little Raider comparison. All right, we're going to go final question before we get out of here. Going into the weekend, we get to maybe relax a little bit before uh, things go crazy starting at 9 a.m. Pacific on Monday. Um from Jeff, he says, I'll throw one more in here on behalf of Tashad. He gets crushed for his steak preferences. So I'd love to hear everyone else's most controversial food opinion. Mm. Mm. <laughs> what, 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 all, what do we all have that, that will get us crushed? I don't know if it's controversial, but I hate onions. Whoa. I, hate onions well. what? I also hate onions. Hate, hate onions. I love onions. I've started cooking with them a little bit because my wife... Likes them, but but I, I hate onions. I can't I can't put like an onion in a burger or sandwich. No, hate onions. So crush me for that if you want, but I don't think it's that controversial. What you what you got, Vic? I think it's been discussed. That's a bad food take for me. Wa- I'm not a watermelon guy. I, I can't stand watermelon. I think uh, yeah, I'm not a watermelon guy. So that's probably been my biggest thing. Um, when I was a kid, uh, at, I was in Fairyland. Young kid, it was, like a, it was a eating that contest. I, like. I was that's pretty weird. excited about it. I was a dominate. It was a big prize. I got on the stage. And it was watermelon. I was like, oh, <laughs> I, was, I was so, I mean, talk about the saddest kids you've ever seen in your life. And I was going to dominate to like, just not one. To, and my parents said, you got you're up there, you got to I'm like, I was just like, kids are sadly eating watermelon, fish dead last. And just, uh, it was a rough day in my childhood. So, yeah, watermelon. I can't come up. Come, up. I think all my food, my food takes are pretty spot on. So, uh, you know. <laughs> I think I'm perfect. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I just can't think of one right now. I'm sure there's one really bad one, um, but one doesn't come to mind right now. <laughs> this guy here, man. He, this, this is the guy that gets into a combine meeting with a team like what what are your weaknesses? What do you need to work on? I'm oh, perfect. I got nothing. I, I just I'm polished. I'm perfect. He has to do some research and figure out what is what, what food what food tastes yeah, is. Yeah, I'm gonna come up with one for the next pod. Oh, we, All right, I, next we, pod. We can't, we can't wait. I'm just sitting on pine needles. <laughs> <laughs> Bad food take. Uh. Uh, all right, guys. Well, next week's gonna be insane. Um, 
You know, it starts at 9 a.m. really on Monday. That's when the legal tampering period begins. Uh, deals can't officially be made until 1 p.m. on Wednesday. But as we all know, uh, the big deals are going to happen Monday, Tuesday. Uh, you know, we'll see if the Raiders throw any of those Godfather offers out there. Um, I don't think they quite have the uh, the spending space to uh, to do that this year. But uh, it'll be fun. We'll see what the the Raiders can do. And we'll talk to you again. Uh, we'll have to wait till things settle down. You know, next week's the kind of week where uh, you spend like 10 minutes on the phone. You might miss like five signings. So um, we'll... Uh, We'll let you know when we'll be back on, but uh, should be a fun week, and we'll see what uh, what all happens. We'll see who wins free agency because that obviously determines who's going to uh, be in the playoffs and the Super Bowl next year. All right, talk to you later. Adios. See you guys. I don't think he's cooked. I just think he's like lightly sauteed. <laughs>